0: so we're here again i think it's episode seven uh me and matt and we have Rune here with you roon's just joined us in january um we've been trying to do this for quite a couple of months but with different schedules and each of us being quite busy we haven't been able to um so say hello Rune. hello how are you i'm
1: okay and you guys what's happening uh not much it's just uh glad to be joining a good team Oh, yeah. saying the right things. <laughs> Just talking about my increase as well. Which we do not have many <laughs> listeners to
0: actually hear it yet. <laughs> so the <they're> one guy.
1: <laughs> yeah. So no, it's no, it's good to join the, a team that uh, aspires to like-minded things that I do.
0: So tell us a little bit where you're from and what kind of where you grew up and what you did.
1: Uh, so I'm from South Africa. Been in the Middle East now for almost six years. Um, grew up in Johannesburg and went to. Obviously went to school, then went to university, played a bit of semi-professional rugby, where I got my passion for the strength and conditioning industry. Um, After 21 and not being big enough to play rugby, I decided to still stay in the industry and and work more on the strength and conditioning side of things. And that brought me to Dubai, where I do a bit of strength conditioning with you boys. I know Chris Green is heading up a lot of the school work. And I've joined his team and helping him develop the kids in the Middle East.
0: What, what did you do in South Africa? Would you play in sports? What, what's growing up in South Africa like?
1: Yeah, growing up in South Africa is nice. Uh, I think people play sport, I don't know if it's the same in the rest of the world, but people people tend to play a lot of sport at school. Uh, myself, growing up, I did everything at school, uh, from running to track, obviously to track, um, to rugby. I did cricket, tennis, didn't swim, there wasn't a pool, but I'd like to have swum. Uh, swim in doing, the sea? Oh, well, I was a bit far from the sea. Sharks, no? huh? <laughs> oh, Janice. the see. I'll have to. Uh, is it how far is it? Uh, Janice was about six hours drive from the nearest the nearest ocean, um, and you know, there are sharks in the ocean. Um, so I did did a lot of sport at school, and yeah, you know, didn't play many video games. Wasn't that kind of good, kind of kid, to be fair? I played a lot of video games.
2: Yeah, it's both. But yeah, but so what what was it that got you into the SSC then? So it was just that kind of feeling of. Uh, what was it being too weak in rugby? You Wanted to put on some muscle and all that. At <laughs> least
1: the usual way. Right? I actually, actually hated the gym, and When I was when I was playing rugby and I was mentally in the gym, I actually hated the gym, and I I got done in a few times for missing missing the gym. Mm. Um, no, I think just being exposed to that. When I say pro- semi-professional environment, when you get exposed to having to train the gym, rehabilitation, prehabilitation, um, and then having obviously not being able to continue my career in rugby, I thought the only way to stay in it is to get into that. Yeah. industry, and, um, and from that sort of grew my passion, I enjoyed working with people who have goals in mind, people who obviously need to recover from an injury, mm-hmm. and people who don't want to get injured, and uh, that's why I chose the field, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I remember back when I first started using the gym, like my first experience of it back at school, and it is boring, I, I didn't know anybody who enjoyed it, and I think that's it's kind of like what we spoke about maybe on the last podcast or the, the one... Before that one, we were talking about how in the states you're sort of inoculated to the gym very early on because of yeah. American football, and they tell you straight off the bat, right? You need to be strong, you need to be robust. Whereas the rest of the world just doesn't seem to have that with the, the football culture and everything else. So yeah. it's always seen as this boring, sort of stale thing where you're not really too sure why you would you should lift weights or why you should be strong because you know to kick a ball or whatever else you don't really need that. So
0: yeah, playing rugby though for me. I'm- as a forward and we my school had a new gym complex built they pumped a lot of money in it um it was one of the first schools in dublin to actually have a full gym and like an astroturf area outside and a small track it was really ahead of its its time like by maybe two, three or four or five years and we also got a very good coach um called alan ryan who's still working in Last time I knew he was at Bath. He was the head SNC coach at Bath, and he used to do London Irish. But he just graduated. So he was in his like post graduation window where he needed work. He came back from the UK, came back to Dublin. He got a job in our, with us. And I remember when we first were shown around the gym, he was massive. Like he was just a huge rugby player in his early 20s. And we were 12 or 13. And all I can remember is him showing us the leg press. But I remember him going, when you straighten your leg, don't. when you push away, don't straighten your leg. And oh, I was like, yeah. don't straighten your leg. Oh, straight. <laughs> don't straighten Okay, what else we learn? Because I was like, I, I'm skinny. I am skin and bone. Yeah, they're going to snap. Even if I don't have any interest in movement, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I need to have some muscle because I'm way too skinny to be a man. I'm actually a little bit feminine right now. I'm so skinny. And that was really young. So, and then we all went to the gym as part of the crew. Did you go as part of the team or did you have to do individuals?
1: No, what would have happened is obviously we're at university, so you'd have the backs would have an hour allocated to the gym. What position um, are you? I'm a scrum off, mine. So I could get away with being small up until a certain age. Um, but then obviously the boys get bigger and bigger and bigger, and uh, I stay the same. Um, but also, as I say, is, um, going back to school days, I went to a, a government school where an Afrikaans school and Afrikaans students are very much. The boys just play and the boys just do what they need to do. But there was no such thing as paying for your kid to go to the gym or paying for your kid to have a coach. So I just grew up having to play sport. Mm-hmm. And I think with, with, obviously, with sport developing now where it is, um, it's becoming more about the off-field stuff, yeah. the on-field. The science behind it. Yeah. So Research, can't, yeah. I mean, if you look at golf especially, you can't just go and play golf. Now you're going to have to go and do some gym work. I think Rory McIlroy sort of kicked it off quite a bit where he's emphasised that the in-gym work is actually what's going to help you perform and, and make you world-class yeah, athlete. Yeah, Tiger Woods as yeah, well. Like see him, like,
2: you know, broad-shouldered and stuff and then comparing him to uh, Nicholson and all those guys with the big guts and things.
1: Yeah,
0: even yeah. Tiger Woods I busted his knee and he had to spend a year in the gym, Yeah. Um, but we were lucky, we, we we didn't have to, our kids, like our my friends growing up as kids, we wouldn't have paid for a gym ever, because we had parks and fields and hills and shit to run around. But we uh, had the gym every day, like at our disposal. Some of us used to go at lunchtime in, in school, some of us used to go after school, and we'd have one during the week team training where you had to go. Um, and we had the same guys, we had the backs who just stood there th- chucking a ball around. Mm. Um, a couple of really talented guys who didn't buy into it. And when we got older, eighteen nineteen twenty they were on the cusp, and they never got the they never got the long term contract yeah. uh, I do always wonder like if these guys had been committed and and getting the extra the extra development at the younger age what their ability would have been like when it comes to the actual crunch of being a full, fully-fledged professional signing your first contract. Yeah, that's the thing we always bang on about with the youth athletes, isn't it? Like getting that kind of
2: peak height velocity stage, like trying to figure out when that is. So like when the, for those of you who don't know, peak height velocity is basically the growth spot. So that period event in adolescence when you just suddenly rapidly start to grow and it's kind of a signal for all these hormonal sort of changes and everything else, but kind of represents that key window of time where if you can start doing like heavy strength stuff or well reasonably relatively heavy strength stuff and explosive stuff like you can make considerable gains from that that will impact the rest of your life like if you miss that window you never get that time back yeah. and I guess that's that's something that well certainly Chris bangs on about a lot with his guys and I'm sure
0: you would yeah. as well in that sense I got my what did you call it? peak height velocity I got my peak height velocity last year around 18 months like, <laughs> that was it. Bro. That was me. Head and shoulders <laughs> taller than everybody else. That was all. <laughs> Thank you. That was it. I got uh, my ability from crawling to standing, and then I peaked. That, <laughs> that was you it. Just maintained it from then on. Yeah, just too tall, too, too skinny <laughs> all the way through. But, but, uh, don't say.
1: Yeah, and I think um, working with Chris and the schools in, in Dubai, and a lot of the schools are starting to buy into developing the kids, mm. implementing nice gyms. Uh, back when I was in school our school didn't have a gym yeah it was basically push-ups and sit-ups and a few squats and like you said Keith there's heel sprints but other than that uh, there there was no gym and now the kids in the schools here and being more privileged and obviously us being able to go into the schools and help the kids they're able to develop in their peak peak burst as you said um, which would be good for them I think when they do progress and they want to play sport or, or yeah. just carry on with wellness and yeah, life
2: yeah yeah but that's, um, that's something that you and Chris do really well though in the, in the sense that you're making it interesting as well like the games that you play and the different yeah. warm-up games and stuff because I mean like, had I had that at uh, at that age you know it would have been a very sort of different progression you know when you yeah. get kids buying in at an early age and physical fitness and making it enjoyable so that they, they, you can effectively compete with the outside sports and just
0: the playing the games it's uh, it's hugely important. It's funny we had a we had a chat with Chris um, at the beginning of our, the, the podcast, one of the early ones, and he was saying how uh, you know he wants to help the kids give the best opportunity that you know that we never had growing up, and you know hopefully they'll reach a higher level when they get older. I was sitting there quietly just listening, going, "Yeah, I did have that opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> and I blew it. <laughs> so yeah, maybe no, I don't know. We'll see how that goes because." Oh, I don't know. You just don't know it as a kid. You're just like, you a teenager. They don't give a shit. You're just a teenager. I remember I used, to, I used to really beat myself up over it as well because growing up in my early 20s, I always had trials for the representative teams. I had trials for the, for the provincial or the state team. I had a trial for the international under-19s, under under-21s team. I never quite, yeah. in that one 80 minutes, got a chance to like put an impact. and I was just there to make up the numbers while they looked at the other 15 players on the pitch. Um, so I used to beat myself up over it loads, and then I spoke to another guy in my school, one of the best players I've ever played with, and he was just—he This is years later. This is like when you're mid twenties. He was like, "Yeah, but you didn't know any better. You were just a kid." Yeah, you and don't care. I was like, "Oh yeah, but like, let me hang on to this guilt of messing up." And he was like, "No, don't bother. Like, just." Yeah. It's like when your your mum like makes you go to piano lessons or something like that. Like, <laughs> I don't give a shit. Whereas you think, "Fuck, like, oh, had I kept that up, i will be yeah. like a master." Yeah, Do you know. You say that, but would you? <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, maybe not. This is
0: what I wanted Like, if I had, I would have been. Can't say that for sure. No, nah, mm-hmm. maybe a crappy would break your fingers. I don't know, but yeah. yeah. But uh, what, what are you doing now?
2: So you're, you're doing a degree in the UK, right?
1: Yeah. So basically, I left South Africa before I finished my undergrad. Uh, had a few uh, family financial issues, but mm-hmm. moved to Dubai and took the opportunity to get work and start making money in the PT industry. I had a PT qualification. Um, and then obviously Growing older now And wanting to learn more And working with The kids development And working more Sports specific as well I'd like to have Learned a bit more So I'm mm. not doing a Actually I'm trying to Push and do my Masters through University of South Wales uh, Which is a Long distance learning course So twice a year I fly there And um, And do some Assignments and stuff On the side as well yeah, sure. So trying to couple that And also luckily enough With Chris And myself Working with the schools Implementing things That I'm learning now I think our industry changes quite a lot. There's always yeah, new sure. technology coming out, new data coming out, and we are lucky enough that I can now take that and actually use it with the kids we're working with, mm. and seeing some good progression. What's coming out now?
0: What's the latest one?
1: The latest. Yeah, like what? what are you? I do, I, what's I do, the most impactful? What, what I'm quite enjoying is is obviously with technology improving. Is there's a lot of ways you can collect data now. I think mm. back in the day, you look at uh, rugby players now; they wear GPS monitors in their jerseys. Yeah, yeah, sure. And back in the day I used to wear a hardware monitor and it didn't really have GPS, but mm. it, it later did they started developing, I think Garmin started implementing GPS systems. But now it's basically a, a small little two centimeter GPS tracker that you put in the it's sort of in the neck of your collar. Sure. And and collecting data from that. And, and and I think nowadays you can even see how many times an individual has hit the deck. Yeah. So I'm quite I'm quite intrigued to see how all that data comes together. that you can build profiles of athletes, profiles of teams, uh, pick up uh, imbalances in, in certain teams whether they fit enough or whether they they're lacking in the first half of the game or the last half of the game um so i find that interesting and uh, just just different ways making an snc's life easier yeah in collecting data yeah, i think uh, collecting data can be quite a headache but i think all these new technologies are making it much easier for us to collect more data than we could
2: yeah absolutely it's like trying to just kind of whittle everything down to the point where you can just make just single choices and know yeah. with a certain degree of certainty that it's going to have this certain adaptation or impact or whatever else but yeah I always remember working like Bisham Abbey and stuff back in the UK the little gym away units yeah. do you ever get to play with those yeah, yeah. A man like what was, what's
0: Bisham Abbey uh, it was
2: one of the Olympic centers back in the UK um, just when I was doing my internship with the Rome team but just a little black box that you connect onto the the bar and then you can start measuring bar speed and velocity and all these sorts of things which, you know, sort of 10, 20 years ago you wouldn't have access to. And you can start making very sort of specific decisions on um, kind of how you want the training session to go. So it's no longer just about, okay, well, let's lift heavy weights and let's shorten the rest time. It's now okay, let's spend the session just working on bar speed. So I just want you to move the bar as fast as possible and that bench press, or squat um, or whatever else. For power. Yeah, yeah, for power, uh, for power endurance, usually, like, uh, that, that's sort of the sweet spot, the holy grail for most athletes, like the ability to... keep going, keep, keep, keep yeah, your pretty, power
0: high for longer.
2: Yeah, essentially that, being able to produce power, decent amount of power on a consistent basis is pretty much the fundamental sort of foundation to most sports, really.
0: How much are those pieces of kit to buy? Oh, man, thousands Really, yeah. It's
2: probably cheaper than... Uh, Pounds. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's expensive. But you can get stuff now like, um, what's the Aussie dude called? Dave. It's going to bug me now. He's developed uh, a bit of software called The Push. Have you seen that? Where you literally strap it onto your arm and then that measures your arm speed effectively. Oh, wow. And I don't know what the algorithm must be to then, or the assumptions that you would need to make to kind of produce bar speed from your limb speed because there's a a little bit of a Mm biomechanical sort of nuance there. But yeah, it's getting more...
0: Mainstream. Good use of the word yeah. "nuance." You, uh, good use of yeah. the word "nuance." <laughs> <laughs> if
1: you, I mean, talking about the cost of things. Actually, we were we were we were fortunate enough to use a lot of high tech equipment with uh, my course in Wales. Yeah. And um, one of the the doctors there, Dr. Lim Hennessy, was actually the guy who started Satanta, which the course has run through. Sure. Oh yeah, you are doing a Satanta. Satanta. yes, right, Satanta's right, right. linked up with the University of South Wales. Yeah. yeah. A
0: TV network. Yeah, both. Yeah, but they were the yeah. the. I did a, a an SAQ course with Satanta when they were like an a, like an SAQ course level, you know, like the speed, agility, quickness stuff, was like level one. And now they've gone on to degrees and master level yeah. stuff. Since oh, it must have been two thousand and three, mm-hmm. four. I did mine. Um, Satanta was a real because the TV channel came out after them, right? So I, I don't know. I, I doubt they're collected. That's right.
1: a great. So yeah, what i was saying is. Um with te- obviously the technology that uh, the university used to measure force output and uh, things like counting jump where they use the force yeah. mats. Now those can be also a few thousand pounds if you're oh, the high ones. <laughs> and when we were there in April uh, doing some exams and workshops, they introduced us to this app called uh, My Jump. Mm. And Dr. Liam Hennessy had done tests using a force mat as well as the My Jump app, and the actual difference in the data was not very much. Mm. And basically, the My Jump app. Uh, try and download it it's basically taking a video of the individual performing the jump yeah, and then measuring the distance from the toe and the floor obviously contact time when it releases from the floor and actually using a, a really good data for uh, for compared to the, the force mat so there are cheaper ways to do it yeah sure um, I know people like Chris tends to go for the more old school ways he doesn't like technology that much
0: Lesson, yeah
1: bless <laughs> because he can't because he didn't know he how
0: to do it how do you turn this on <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. So, but that's where you're you're gonna be, like that's where he's gonna need you that's where you you shine through and
1: uh, like yeah oh, I oh, got it right. look at
0: my can do boom
1: but um, it, it is getting expensive I, I was lucky enough to talk about uh, how expensive these things I was lucky enough to go and spend some uh, I was for, in Ireland for a month and uh, I know the strength conditioning coach at Ulster and they had just built their new high performance centre mm. at the stadium they'd done redone the stadium and that's where I actually found my, my actual passion for s because you look at how these guys are working and what they, what they do and what they're allowed to work with. Yeah. And it was insane. I think they just spent a few million on this gym and it had force mats built into the actual racks. Uh, yeah. They had big screens on the, on the, on the wall where, where boys could challenge each other with power output. Sure. But the, the software would pick up the individual's body weight and it would be sort of strength to weight ratioed. And they were challenging on mm. power outputs, which is quite massive. Mm. Nice, you see scrum offs competing with props. Oh right, okay. Only because of strength to weight ratio. Yeah, yeah. Um, Did you ever go? No, I didn't. Never. I, would, I don't want to embarrass myself. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I, still, I still don't like the gym. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that becomes a very different profession when you have that sort of gym, yeah. and you have that level of data coming
0: in. Also, though, I haven't been that successful, have they?
1: they? They started the season well. They started well and they had a dip, but they've had two two wins on the on the track now so they're still in contention for the top four I only follow them because I know they're a sea coach yeah, to yeah. I, I'm, I'm a South African rugby supporter and the Super 14 just started so my team are doing well who's that? A proud Lions supporter Joe Bergboy. Boy
0: um, I'm, a, they, they, I'm a I'm a western problems,
1: western province <laughs> uh, western province <problems. laughs> they're doing well to fit.
0: they're doing very well <laughs> um, only because my old housemate used to go ah problems again <laughs> when they'd lose <laughs> it's a good standard down there though the SA rugby Do you play yeah. Currie Cup? I played junior curry cup. South was Lord saying and that the 19- they played Curry Cup.
1: And, um, I played Curry Cup in my day. Well, curry Cup is one of the, the oldest, <coughs> oldest provincial tournaments in South Africa and, and it's 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 the sort of the building blocks of South African rugby.
0: But like um, if you don't if you haven't played Curry Cup, you can't really have an opinion on,
1: on rugby, apparently. No, 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 of course not. No, <laughs> and, and a few years back they started something called Varsity Cup, because back in the dam, so before my time, it would be a lot of club rugby and club rugby would then feed the yeah, national yeah. team and um, universities weren't sort of putting emphasis on rugby that's more ac- academic so now they've I think François Pinard and a few guys ex-Springbox started a thing called the Varsity Cup and um, this has created a big competition between all the universities sure. where they play against each other in a competition and a lot of talent has been drawn from that uh, you see a lot of guys go straight from there and play Springboks, mm. Um or go, go get contracted over in France because they're not getting contracted by their unions so Rugby is, is is definitely developing a lot in South Africa.
2: Would that be the dream? Like S over there?
1: Um S and C with a with a rugby team would be lovely, yes. I don't know whether I'd go back home just yet, maybe yeah. one day. Um I wouldn't mind giving a crack in, in, in the UK or in Ireland um I've been seeing the, the difference in in money spent on S and C in the two different countries, South Africa and, and the UK. It's it's it just seems way further ahead mm. in the UK. And I don't know it's just because of funding, but it definitely is a few Than where, in South Africa? In South Africa,
2: yeah. Oh, for sure it is, yeah. <clears throat> uh, just because of the last few Olympic Games, there's been a lot more yeah. success, and so success begets
0: funding, yeah. which begets success. Of course, success and of course. But also, there's just a lot of people following rugby, willing to pay for merchandise and, yeah. and tickets, yeah. so there's a lot more money in, in English rugby, even at the lower levels. Like yeah. in, in Irish rugby, they had the international team they have four very well-established professional teams. And then below that, it's local clubs that wouldn't be much richer than the clubs here in the UAE, you know? Yeah. There's one or two big investors in one or two big clubs because they're all boys of that school or of that club and they love the club and they're willing to just throw some pocket change towards the thing to repaint the whole clubhouse or whatever. But it's that kind of level.
1: Yeah.
0: But after the Leinster, Ulster, Munster, Connacht level, there's not that much rugby in it. Or, there's not that much money in it. Yeah. So you could, you could get a job there, but you'd need, to, you'd need to supplement or else you're going to go for one of the top jobs. Yeah. And once you're in that upper tier, then...
1: That's also, what I think, a lot of uh, South Africans play in South Africa, but then they get attracted to the nice the money that they get paid to go and play in France. I mean, a lot of, a lot of boys I used to play with are not actually playing in Japan because Japan yeah. are funding big time into, into, into rugby. Um, so, yeah, I do think the money makes a big difference. Yeah, for
0: sure. Especially when you're an old boy and you're sort of thinking... I haven't got much else other than rugby, you know. Yeah. Big players go there at the end of their career. That attracts good coaches, good, good coaches, good players, attract the fans, you know, and yeah. then, the, then the money comes from the
2: fans. Oh, that's perfect. Like, I spent a day a few years back just with the England rugby team, just during the Six Nations, I went out just to help out. Man, it's just like five-star hotel, like this big gourmet sort of buffet. You got have a little gym session, come back in, stuff your face. It's so nice.
1: Yeah, also yeah food. Spending that time at Ulster, The boys were in their Pre-season yeah. Training camps And I spoke to Kevin About it And he basically said The boys rock up In the morning They have their Morning briefing On, on the day's activities They'll give them breakfast They'll have their gym session They'll give them lunch They have a gym yeah. session Or field session And basically The boys would not Have to do anything mm. They basically rock up At work for argument's sake And they get fed They, they train yep, They stay massage. There's a, a relax room Yeah <laughs> There's a relaxed room Where they play Xbox Or Playstation or whatever and they just spend for the first month of their preseason living at the yeah. stadium
2: but you know that's 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 what training should be do you yeah. know what i mean and that's one of the things that i try and relate back to clients here when they're they're, they're talking about their gym and how oh, i like, should be making this sort of progress i should it's like look you work like 12 hours a day and then you're stressed on the weekends mm-hmm. with family stuff and then you got to go and do all these other things all these other commitments that just sap your strength like this isn't like the optimum yeah. kind yeah. of conditions to develop any sort of physical quality. So you've got to sort of, you know, the, uh, cap your goals and things like that, but keep this, you know, the expectations in check. Because when you see these guys, everything is dedicated towards their physical development, and that means like intense workouts, but then just a shitload of rest Recording, for the rest yeah. of the yeah. the rest of the day. Yeah, Do you know, nice eat and sleep. Yeah, like and also those and things,
0: sleep. like you said, those GPS things. Those GPS things pick up when a player is fatigued. Yeah, oh, yeah. for sure. They pick up heart rate. They pick up. Uh, they do small little tests um, to find right. Actually, this guy is now starting to be over fatigued. So mm-hmm. let's give him even more rest. Yeah, right. you're Stop being training, paid yeah. to do nothing now. Yeah, and we want that. Yeah, we're yeah. going to pay you to sit Understand there, sense. go Xbox, don't go on the drink, don't go to restaurants, just chill,
2: just sit there, yeah. Yeah. just sleep. So the British Rowan team used to do the uh, their like fatigue test was this kind of progressive like lactate it wasn't a lactate threshold test but they'll have them going on for say half an hour on the rowing machine and every two minutes they'll take a lactate level and if which it went is, how would you do that which is what uh it's like a like a prick in the ear uh for those guys it would be just because it's difficult to get it from the finger when you're you're holding on to so it, they it take a little blood sample yeah a little blood sample from the ear you then chuck it into a little uh solution swivel it around put it in a centrifuge whizz it around and then uh, well, that was that at the time. At the moment, you can now just yeah. actually plug it into a little portable thing. A little
1: swab that just takes the blood and just, yeah, the yeah. system picks it up immediately.
2: But uh, the second it would go over two millimoles, uh, I can't remember the actual units, that per litre or whatever it was, that was their sign of overtraining, right? Stop everything you're doing, Yeah, out, you know, sleep, sleep eat, here's all your food, you know? But it just goes to show you, like, the level of rest and recovery and yeah. a stress-free lifestyle that is needed to to make those sorts of gains, you know? Now
0: people would think, like we're joking, but people think that's, oh, that'd be great. Mm. Get paid to do nothing, but that sucks. it sucks for them. I remember <laughs> yeah. Chris used to tell me what the London Irish guys used to do, and they had a similar setup to what you're describing at Ulster. I don't know how high tech it was, but they used to jump on a bike before every session and they just had to do some form of a power output on a wattage thing, and they had to hit close to 100% of their peak ability pre-season when they were fresh. And then if they were within like a certain 95%, they could train in the green zone. If they were below 95, between 95 and 90, they had to be in the amber zone. Anything yeah. below 90, then they were at rest. We were thinking, oh, wow, that'd be great. Day off, just sit in the touchline, <laughs> shook a ball around. But he was like, no, the guys hate him. They yeah. want to train. They want to play. They want to be in the team for the weekend. So as much as uh, it sounds good sitting there all day, playing Xbox, eating, being paid to do yeah. nothing, like these guys want to play. Mm. And that's where they, you know, I suppose they have to take their own responsibilities, don't they? Yeah,
1: yeah, and then, and also the thing is, um, getting back to what Matt said earlier about people being having expectations. I think people see these boys playing on the on the TV every every weekend or just different sports, where the people are in great condition. I think, oh, I can do that and mm. I can get there. But it's, in reality, you can't. And <laughs> I know, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. same here. And I um, think especially in the Middle East, people with have a bit more. Um, a bit of a spare income where they can spend money on personal training which we uh, we all obviously do and you do get clients often that come in and they have high expectations of getting these results within the first four weeks Mm. Um, but they do have stressful jobs uh, they work late they don't eat what they should um, meetings dinner with clients so it it is a challenging one and, and I personally enjoy the challenge yeah um, for me it's more the, the psychological challenge of trying to get into their heads and explain to them what it will take to do what they want well,
2: this is the difference between being a coach and being a trainer I yeah, think. Like exactly. you're coaching them just through their lifestyle as well and saying like "Oh, I need to hit the gym hawks. I need to lose you know, a few more pounds so Like, actually we probably need to go lighter today yeah. to counteract all of the stress that you've experienced exactly there.
1: 100% and uh, you know, just get, telling them to get a balance yeah. and understanding that if they want to get to X they have to do Y and, and unless they do that, they're not going to get there. It's what do you reckon would
0: happen if we tested people? If we test, if we put people through, obviously not the same intensity level, if we tested our clients through, right, how are you feeling? How is your stress levels? Okay, this is your perceived level. Now let's do a test. Go. And then we actually get data. A lot of people probably wouldn't be able to train.
2: No. Well, that's what we used to do at Fast, remember, when we had the, the vertical jump yeah. strips off the wall. Yeah. So we had these hanging. Um, Literally just like bands would have different heights, and so what we used to do is at the start of every session, right? Do your warm up, okay, now jump, yeah, and they'd have to hit kind of a consistent level each time. If they weren't able to get as high, it was like, okay, we need a lighter day. It was
0: kind of our little central nervous system. People didn't like it though. Yeah, people like I only have this one session. I only have these three sessions, and I missed. I missed Sunday. Can I? I need. I need to train. almost mm-hmm. so like, like a
2: desperation. Like I need to. Like, yeah. Well, and I, not like I need it, to man.
0: burn the candle
1: at the other end now as well. I yeah, need exactly. to do it. Yeah. I need to do it. You do. It. I mean, I got some clients who actually work really hard, and you do an eight week block of training, and you'd say to them, "Listen, let's, let's deload maybe for one or two weeks," and they tend to think that uh, mm-hmm. you're just wasting their money. But it's yeah. like you have to deload. Uh, I mean, you can't just keep climbing a mountain. Mm-hmm. At some point, you have to take a little rest and then carry on climbing. Otherwise, you won't you won't be able to get to, the, to point B. Absolutely. Um, but I like that that's a good idea to get mm-hmm. maybe implement that into our, into our training a bit more. yeah it's good but it's good the coach
0: needs to do it and then the guys need to buy into it because yeah. you, you do get a lot of pushback on like I need I want to train I need to train let me let me go heavier I feel like I can, I can go heavier it's like well inside you're whittling away so we're going to just skip it for today
1: yeah and that's uh, that's also why I like educating my clients mm. instead of just putting them through a program explain to them why we're doing certain things I think if you can educate a client a bit more, they, they sort of buy into it a bit better. Yeah, um, definitely, definitely. I'll send them, if, I, if I've read something interesting on, on the coursework I'm doing, I'll send it to them and say, read paragraph two for like argument's sake, we were discussing it the other day. So try and educate them and tell them why certain procedures are being followed, instead of just saying, right, this is what we're doing, don't ask questions, just do it. Yeah, yeah. You know? um,
0: well, that's why we want to do with the podcast as well. Just so yeah. instead of having a Q&A so much as, okay, what do I do when I'm feeling whatever, You want to be able to have this conversation with people and get these golden nuggets and throw the information out there. Um, Is there anything you've come across recently in your uh, coursework that you found was was useful to some people?
1: Um, I wouldn't say for personal training clients yet because obviously it's it's more strength conditioning based things. But what I'm doing currently is a a module on data collection. And I'm actually trying to find a way where, like Matt said, when you do the the pre-training test for argument's sake. To, to see whether your client's training ready yeah. or for intensity ready. Um, so finding more efficient ways to collect data, because if I had to collect data for all 20 of my clients every day, no. it, it'll be a fairly, fairly ignite nightmare. Um, thinking back, I have I've did, did a few modules on the, I've done few, the functional movement screen, yeah. which is basically just a, a simple few movement screening process that you take your clients through and I tend to do it with all my clients at the beginning of if they're starting with me I do it with them in the beginning and see whether they have any limitations uh, strength and weaknesses it's not a test you can fail it's just basically try and give an idea of where the client's at sure. so doing that and then what we, we were lucky enough to to have worked with a guy called uh, Ian Jeffries Yeah, He's love
2: done, that
1: guy. Ian Jeffries, a fantastic guy and he does a lot of work on speed and agility um, and just using the FMS to screen people. I'm talking about the kids now, obviously, working with the rugby rugby boys at uh, Dubai College, where rugby need a lot of agility. Doing the FMS, a lot of boys want to do agility, but they're not really mm. g- agility ready, if you can put it that way. Yeah. A lot of people, they, they look like they're still, I mean, they're still developing, but they look like they're all floppy, floppy yeah,
2: and overcooked spaghetti. Yeah, yeah.
1: exactly. So <laughs> trying to get the, the fundamental base of the kid right, get them moving correctly, get them. Stay more stable in their body shape, and then getting them to do to move uh, in a more agile way, basically.
2: Yeah, agility is a big one. It's like uh, speed, you know, or I guess more related to personal training, boxing. Do you know, there are so many people doing these things who just aren't ready to do it. Do you know, like agility and sprinting in particular. Uh, and the reason I say boxing is I, I class boxing is like the sprinting of the upper body. Do you know, that kind of fast paced, high velocity, power movement. But man, you, you see some of these guys running around, and it's like in in two weeks of you doing this, you're going to start getting some sort of knee pain or lower back pain. Yeah, 100. You know, it, it's just it's such a high stress, high impact thing for the body to, to handle. You know, you need the structures and the robustness to be able
0: to just handle the forces. Yeah, you're 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 opening up the conversation, steering it towards CrossFit as well by talking <laughs> about that
1: because
0: <laughs> there's robustness, there's ability. And then there's. Well, it opens on, so. might as well talk about it. Uh, what about the? You're a bugbear, right? No, no, no. I like CrossFit. We'll say it again. I like CrossFit. I just don't like the way the trainers are coached themselves, right? I don't like the way the CrossFit brand allows people go out into the public domain with a false sense of. Uh, what's the word, of a full sense of competency to coach some of the movements that they coach people mm. in the sessions. It's, I don't blame the coaches. I don't blame the people. The coaches are there at 6 a.m. The coaches are in an industry and in a job where they want to help people. But they're getting a piece of paper that is allowing them go out with a, with a license to coach certain things that they don't have the knowledge and the technical knowledge and the anatomical knowledge and the sheer like basic understanding of this is good this is bad mm. a weekend two week i don't know how if it's let's say it's five weekends to get your level 2 because i know there's a bit of extra work just a couple of weekends here and there um it's just not enough as a as a concept on paper aside from the high velocity stuff like the swinging from a bar in any shape or form the the kipping stuff the handstand push-ups, and then the deadlifts. Kind of, I'm kind of laying my weapons down a little bit on the Olympic lifting because I see them doing it really poorly, but the ones that I see aren't lifting enough weight to cause too much damage yeah. in relation to the volume that they're doing in a deadlift mm. and the sheer repetitions that they're doing swinging from a bar. They've got like four or five different varieties of swinging from a bar, and these people can't even hang.
2: Yeah.
0: Their labrum, their shoulder structures, their capsules, everything is just not robust enough to maintain the, the arm in the, in the socket, even in a, in a basic position. Now you're going to bring force and swing into it. That's all. But I, I don't think it's the coach's fault. They've don't. just been told, you're, you're able to do this off you go. And it's like, well, you're not. Yeah. So don't. But you've been told you can. Yeah, you think about how many
2: years some people spend learning the Olympic lifts, yeah. you know, really, really drilling it. And even then, you know, it, yeah. it, it requires, like, the, the, your knowledge of it is one thing, but your ability to teach somebody and coach somebody through a very complex series of movements is something that's
0: entirely, you know. I mean, there's the basic, right? There's the basic thing where when you lift the bar overhead, for the rep to, to be a, an actual Olympic lift, the arm, elbow needs to be straight. Hmm. So there's no actual... Uh, resisted abduction or resisted shoulder flexion. It's bar goes up in the air, you get low enough that you can lock out and then straighten. Mm. Like that's a basic, even before you look at any other technique. And it's the most identifiable when you look at anybody lifting a bar overhead. And a lot of the coaches miss it. A lot of the coaches get it right, don't get me wrong, but a lot of coaches will stand and watch. Yeah. And it's like, w- w- I'd like to know what they're looking for. Because mm. I'm not an Olympic coach and I don't, I don't try and coach because you guys can coach it. So if anyone comes to me who wants to do it, I'm pfft, Go to, the, go to the boys. Let them teach you. But I know what's bad from a actual exercise success. And then, God, the, the deadlift stuff and the, the way some of the people move when they're lifting heavyweights is crazy. I mean, it's an Olympic sport. Hmm. So there is such a technical aspect to it that it has its own sport where people train only that. It's such a high, fine-tuned discipline that at the top level, it's all about technique. Yeah. They can all lift the same weight. It's can they get the technique spot on on the day to do better than their, their their competitor. Like it's pure technique. Yeah. Yeah. There's a certain power output that they can all reach, I'm sure if you put them into a a uni a uni uh, directional like a leg press or you know a one push. They're all going to generate the same. But can they get the bar with their head? Technicality plays a massive role yeah giving like every inch either side is going to fail yeah yeah yeah. So even
1: the, the, yeah. the problem as well is I'm a, I'm a very uh, strong believer in not doing things like deadlifts for time as mm. many reps oh, you yeah. can in time and that that I mean I like again I like the cross for concept I'm, I'm a, I've actually done my level one a few years back what I know. Right, let's start this <laughs> wait a second that... no no I'm a strong believer in that knowledge is power and trying to find find out a bit about every different aspect of the fitness industry is only going to make you a better coach as well. For sure. And you have to believe in it, but getting to know what it's about before saying anything about it is, is always a good way to do it. And going back to even professional sport, we were talking about people looking, at, watching professional rugby and thinking, I want to be like that person. And what's happened in the CrossFit Games, in my opinion, is they're watching these athletes who are phenomenal athletes yeah, yeah, take part in the games and are able to snatch 100 kilos for 50 yeah, reps. Yeah, those guys are animals. Those yeah. guys are And then they're breed. trying to replicate it out in the local, in the local at a grassroots level, yeah, and and that's where it's, it's a bit odd but that's where again, as from a coach side, a good coach will then obviously scale it down and say, you're not lifting that until you can lift that with perfect technique. Yeah, but the,
0: yeah, but the coaches are, <clears throat> and this is this is really picking out the negatives because there is some really good coaches out there. There's some coaches who have qualifications and experience far beyond what I have, and they're in the domain. I mean, CrossFit has its fantastic points; it gets people together. Mm-hmm who wouldn't usually train, it gets people into a gym, it has a good comrade. You can see people talking about how much they love it when they do talk about it. Like that's, that can only be a positive. Yeah. Some people find it annoying. I mean, it's not... No, like, the the talking, you know, yeah. I'm crossfit, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. crossfit. That doesn't really bother me because when I was heavy playing rugby, that's all I spoke about with my teammates was rugby.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, it's just the execution of some of the stuff that I don't like. And if they can if they can evolve, they've actually evolved more out of the safety rather than revolving, evolving more into the safer exercises, um, since it was first, whatever, created in the early 2000s. But, uh, yeah, for sure. I remember back when it first started and there was that Finnish
2: dude who was like, the he had won it a few years in a row, but when you, I think there's a documentary on Netflix about him, or maybe it's on YouTube or uh, something. Is, um,
1: you're talking Rich Froning? Not the finish? No, no, fan.
2: no, he's a Finnish dude. He was like one of the, the big guys at the start. I can't remember his name now, but, they showed him competing in the CrossFit Games back when it first started and they were just like, you know, sandbag runs up yeah, the hill and all hill, this yeah. sort of yeah. stuff. All you know? day, they're brilliant. And it, as you're right, yes, it's slowly become more weight-based. I guess just so more people I mean, have access to it. I
0: don't know what's going on. I don't know how they work out exactly but it's, this 17.2 is putting in muscle-ups mm. or one muscle-up at least to finish. you got to do one to finish. Your, yeah. That's crazy because people can't do it. Yeah. Like, I think what, they get to do hanging leg raises and there's a substitute. Uh, or something like yeah, but people want to go for the thing. You yeah. put it on the board, they want to achieve it. Like, that's like saying, okay, what you, what you touched on where they're comparing themselves to the top level pros. That's like me going on a pitch against any top pro rugby player right now. Any guy who trains every day doing it, whose whole life has been geared towards it and going... If I just train harder, I can be like him. <laughs> let me run faster, let me get lower, and let me try and tackle him harder, and then I'll tackle him. then I'll be the same as him. Yeah. I'm only going to hurt myself more. Yeah. Like, it, it's just a shame that, that uh, I just think it's just a shame that some of the coaches can't identify these things. Okay, you can't do that. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, whoa, 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 that's too much weight on the bar. Stop. This is what you need to do. Perfect. Now let's work at that. That's all you need to do. Hmm. Identify what's going wrong, fix it, scale it back, and then let them progress. They'll progress better doing the technique right. Yeah. Someone doing a deadlift wrong is going to get stronger slower than somebody doing the deadlift correct at a lighter weight. Yeah. Eventually, the correct technique is going to overtake. That's why it's the correct technique. Yeah.
1: I know uh, a lot of rugby teams don't even do Olympic lifting and these are professional athletes. Yeah, none of them do. And they don't do because of the... the, the There's the, no the, need. The, yeah, the, the, because of the technicality of it. Have yeah. you ever heard so, of uh,
2: Buddy Morris?
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. so he absolutely... Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: He's uh, well, he's done a few things. I think right now he's the SSC coach of the Cardinals, yeah. the Arizona Cardinals. But uh, him and his uh, predecessor, a guy called James Smith, they absolutely don't do the Olympic yeah. lifts and stuff. It's like, look, the amount of time that it's going to take to teach you teach, to do yeah. it, you want that same level of power
0: like do jumps throw mid balls you know explosive other stuff Um, yeah which which is which is what these courses people should be doing instead of snatching and cleaning you want to generate power okay over there with that heavy uh, Mm -hmm. sandbag throw it up and down loads don't try and put that bar over your head trying to move it in that single plane of movement and try and catch it at its peak and then stand forget it you've got a class of 12 people and you're trying to coach people this leave it out that's tough Anyway, you're a CrossFit
1: (laughs) level one coach, eh? (laughs) But also, I mean, just going back to it, again, it's a great concept. I love the concept. Yeah, so do I. I really do. Maybe trying to link that with, I mean, I know if you want to do things like your UK SCA, you've got to have an undergrad before you can do it. Uh, Maybe getting a CrossFit qualification should be linked to an undergrad. I mean, we did quite a lot of of technicality stuff in our degrees.
0: There should, I I think, and I, I don't know enough about it, so somebody might be able to correct me after this. But I think that there should be Certain things you can coach uh, with, through the coaching system, like through their qualification. Level one allows you to program with this bank of exercises all the safe ones, but understand the physiology of what's happening. Level two, you're going to now program these exercises, but at this level of intensity. So understand what the effect of you being so fatigued has on these exercises. And then way down the line, you have the ones that are okay. Now you have shown a sufficient level of prof- efficient whatever, level of ability to do this, this now here is the Olympic lifting course. because there's other there's weekend courses you can do that are solely Olympic lifting yeah, yeah. like the eco courses and all these other ones and they're, they're okay they're not going to get you to UK SCA and you, do you want to explain what the UK SCA is? Well, it's, it's just the United Kingdom
2: Strength and Conditioning Association and it's one of uh, a, a whole group of international courses the Australian ones probably have the most in-depth robust one in the sense that in order to be uh, accredited for the australian like level three or something you have to have shown something like five years worth of coaching high level athletes at a certain level do you know it's like a, a career yeah. target you can't just go and get your level one two three you've got to really prove it whereas the UK is slightly less uh complex than that like you can go and do your sort of weekend uh, seminars and then go for their sort of testing but the testing's not easy no, no, it's, you've got to sit there and you've got to you know, do stages, your yeah, weightlifting. Yeah. You've got to prove you can coach it and do it. You've got to, Speed agility. Yeah, speed agility, and and pliers, yeah. all that. You have to show that team. you've trained an athlete and then present a year-long annual plan on why you chose to train in the way you did in front of a panel of like, some seriously yeah. high-level dudes. Well,
1: I think Ian Jeffries is a part of that. He does the Yeah, the yeah, yeah. yeah. He's been in it for years, years yeah. So
0: that's the, level, nice. that's the level to get the UK SEA. Now imagine yeah. that was the level to get CrossFit. Yeah, for yeah. sure. That, <laughs> the money that CrossFit would generate from that would, would evaporate. Mm. Nobody coming in out of their white-collar job, you know, I love CrossFit so much, I want to be a CrossFit coach, I'm going to quit my job in finance, how do I do it? Oh, look, it's a few weekends, mm. I could do that. Oh, look, it's a full year-long thing, I've got to take an athlete through, oh, I can't do that. Yeah. I won't be a CrossFit coach. Yeah. Now the world's a little bit safer. Mm. Everybody who wants to go to a gym is a little bit safer now that these people aren't just jumping in and coming out with disqualification. Yeah, just a bit of a filter there a massive filter, it needs to be, or else they don't get to coach those things and there's a head coach, there's a head coach in the gym who, who has it and you can only be a head coach when you have reached the holy grail and you make sure that your level one, level two, level three coaches are only programming and watching the level one, level two, level three exercises and when it comes to the deadlift and the Olympic stuff, they're paying attention to you and, and your top level elite coaching of those movements. Is that a lot to ask?
1: <laughs> even even they lose all their money. <laughs> they'll they'll burn it. Even if you do do some technical lift, to get the group smaller because now you're getting as well. You're yeah. giving. I've seen some class with 12 people in the class all doing snatch technique. And I think of myself 12 minutes divided by half an hour is what maybe two minutes each person to do a snatch. Mm. So mm. Mm-hmm. it's not. I don't know. It's, uh, so
0: I heard something earlier or yesterday that was like you do something so much that you love that you end up getting hurt by it. Yeah, like people love CrossFit they love it and that's great I, I'm happy for them but they're actually hurting themselves so they're coming out going and they'll blame some people will blame CrossFit and turn their back on it and then spend the rest of their life complaining about it some people will just keep going oh <laughs> <laughs> I've, never, I've never been hurt by it I'm just I'm just upset that this is happening I mean I've seen seen it go wrong firsthand. deadlift hurt your back lie on the ground then what yeah. now you've got someone who, who's hurt their back and you can't offer them any sort of support because you, they didn't teach you any sort of rehab or any sort of anything in your thing. They taught you how to get somebody to do these exercises, how to program random numbers that are based on funny, funny combinations, fifteen, nine, 9, f- whatever, something that's just going to... What's their um, slogan? Uh, like, we, we tried to kill you or something. Or we, we, it, this, uh, oh, it used to be that rhabdomyolysis thing. Yeah, 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 the, the rhabdomyolysis. rhabdomyolysis. Guy, the clown, do you know? Yeah. Do you, have you seen the clown? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. The guy who, who spews everywhere.
0: Yeah, but rhabdomyalgia is rhabdomyolysis, where, like, rhabdomyoly- rhabdomyolysis yeah. is where the muscle dies. Yeah, yeah, you push your muscle so much that it, it, it dies, and as a dead necrotic muscle, it just seeps poison into your system and you can die.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but the, the whole thing is like there's something I won't, I won't misquote it, but it's something how extreme it is yeah
2: that's that's been quite a few things like a lot of the classes particularly in london from what i've seen a lot of the classes are uh kind of marketed in a way is to be extreme and there's a, there's something in the british pressure oh, yeah. a while back where you had to sign a disclaimer at yeah. the start saying that we might kill you <laughs> i might die yeah i might die in this class do you know how long will that sell for well, yeah i mean it's a gimmick isn't it but it's just you know why are you trying to hurt people stop
0: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah Hey, anything, anything positive, anything, what's coming up for you, what's on the horizon?
1: Uh, I'm off to Wales, yeah. we've got some exams coming up now in April.
0: What's your dissertation going to be? Do you know?
2: I actually
1: don't know, I don't know. You get funny enough, see. We, I, I don't know either, but um, funny enough, with, I'm working with a lot of the Nepal girls at Dubai College and Chris and I have had, literally in the last year, five girls who are all needing ACL repair.
2: Yeah, that's standard.
1: So maybe going back to the ground roots and seeing why and and how life has changed for them and why ACL injuries in these girls, I think they're between 12 and 16, Mm. why it's so common. Um, But then also looking at rehabilitation. Netball girls. The netball girls, yeah. The rugby boys have all been fine. I think there's been one ACL with the rugby boys, but the netball girls especially. I know it's a high-impact sport and whatever. Mm. Netball? yeah in terms of landing mechanics and yeah i be more the
0: rotations, rotations that single yeah. pivot stance that they're doing so
1: we've been doing a lot of landing mechanics and just getting the girls to land properly but um, maybe looking to more into that sure don't know yet
0: do yeah. you it's, what, uh, you don't know if you get to pick
1: no basically I've, I've, got, a, I've got a year now of, as a South African coming from a third world country I had to do a, a bridge course which I've, in April will be complete and then from there it'll be purely masters based okay so uh, we'll see from there. Does South Africa actually class as a federal country? I think so. I think so, yeah. Education, this is the problem. Actually, I've got a one of my old uh, rugby captains from my first year of university nine years ago. He, he He's moved over here with his wife and his wife finished a, a, a course in South Africa called biokinetics mm-hmm. which is basically probably in your terms rehabilitation. Yeah, it's the same
0: yeah. level as my sport have. Now, three. the funny thing
1: is I know a lot of people who have done that and have come to Dubai and could not work in the industry because it's not recognised at all yeah um, and I've seen the content that people are doing and it's, it's something that's way more above than what I've doing what yeah, sure. at the moment so yeah, it's I the look same. at her she's I,
0: worked, I worked with a guy and the, the two of us started the same day with the military as yeah. civilians he's from Stellenbosch yeah. same thing he went on to Australia to do the ESSA which is the Australian equivalent uh, of you're an exercise physiologist and in the US you're termed an athletic therapist mm-hmm. yeah um but in the UK it's recognised. Yeah. In uh, bio kinetic bio kineticist. Sure. Yeah. Bio kineticist yeah. you can you can you're at the same level as people that we my guys, my my yeah. fellow students.
1: Just things like that. So that's why I've obviously just chosen to go and do my course yeah, sure. in the UK, which I think in Dubai is a bit more well mm. recognised than the rest of the well rest of Africa. Um, but yeah, we'll see from there. Cool. All right, where can uh, if people wanna Say hello to you on social media. Where can they get you? Um, well, Facebook, I haven't got a, a work Facebook, but I've got an Instagram account which is RuanSNC. I'll check it up. Uh, PTC.
0: Is it not your second name as well? Might be. I think it's your second name as well. We'll post we'll it be. up on We'll thing. post it, yeah, yeah. We'll post it. Otherwise, you can just
1: email me at ruan.k, R O A N.k, at the physical training A E and work some questions if they anything to ask or. Insult, no problem. If
0: I get cross at bash as well, I'll forward it on to you. <laughs> <laughs> cross a level one coach, you can help me stand up for it. Okay, cool. Matt, do you have anything to add? Nope, nope. Okay, cool. All right, well, thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back soon. See, See ya. ya. Cheers.